Well, hello there. It's Julie, and I'm back again with another episode of You're in Charge. And today I'm going to talk about allowing and cleaning house and what the two have in common with one another and how they benefit one another emotionally. So as a single mom, you know, life gets, life gets going and sometimes life gets going ahead of how fast you can go. You know what I mean? And things start to snowball. And over the years, and I've been divorced for quite some time now, but over the years, uh, different things come up, holidays and um, kids' events that all happen simultaneously, you know, sports and school meetings and um, all kinds of stuff. When you've got three kids and you, there's only one you, you can only go in so many directions so fast. And um, emails that come in constantly and texts and all of those things. And you're going through your own stuff. You know, you, you, you are a human being. I am a human being. And emotions come up. And the thing that I'm aware of now that I'm working with a few people on and kind of had me stumped probably because the, the catch of when you're coaching is you end up coaching yourself because you will inadvertently attract the clients that are dealing with exactly what you're going through. It's a really not funny, funny universal joke. So the things that have been coming up are anxiety, depression, and grief. And I've been peeling back my own layers and I am mm, mesmerized by how far back this grief is going and how long I've held on to it and how conscious I am of it, and yet how completely unconscious I am on it. So when I'm here and I'm giving you these podcasts, this information, I think the thing that's most important to me is that you do understand that I'm not asking you to do anything that I haven't done or I'm not willing to do myself. And I will constantly revisit and constantly have to go back and and touch up on because I'm human too and we're never done and now the house cleaning comes into mind because I'm looking at my house currently with the garbage can that is up on the counter filled because I just cleaned out the fridge of the old leftovers you know the things that got stuck way to the back And the dog thought that smelled really good, but I'm not ready to take the garbage all the way out yet. So I still have more to add to the garbage before taking it out. But then in the midst, I also have the clean laundry that needs to be folded. And then um, the dog was in a position where I could actually cut his nails. So I cut his nails and trimmed up 
his his socks on his paws you know the the fur that gets a little bit too long so I did all that so I'm stepping over that and then there's the fur debris that's around and I'm looking and I'm like and the vacuum cleaner is out and um the window cleaner and here's my life like I am in the midst of my life of my mess of what's going on and why this is important is because this is how I've learned to clean my house, sort of. And that's not to say that my mother was messy. God, no. And that's not to say that my grandmother was messy. Oh, God, no. God, no. Okay, so I'm just going to go with our three generations because that's what I've got to work with. But both of my grandmothers were fastidious with their cleaning. And my previous mother-in-law, unbelievably fastidious. And I've noticed it my whole life. And ooh, we got the whip cracked on us. Um, my Nana, we had to have hospital corners on the beds. There was a certain way that you could do the sheets. And my cousins can attest to uh, learning this because they had... Um, worked for her when she owned cottages and she'd have to turn the cottages over and they would come and chambermaid for her. So the cleaning had to be meticulous and there was a certain way it was done and there is a certain way it was not done. And the same went for my grandmother on my maternal grandmother, not my Nana who's paternal. Okay. And on my paternal side, excuse me. And, um, my grandmother, is grandma is still alive 99 you might have heard me speak of her and she still the woman still cleans like a fiend to the point where it drives my mother crazy because she's risking falling and breaking herself and that's happened too but This woman was so fastidious, is so fastidious about her cleaning that she cleans her attic and her basement at least twice a year. Okay, now that's saying something. And I've always been kind of curious about this cleaning bit. But now bring it down to my mother's generation, the one that I lived with, you know, and that I grew up in. Um, When my mother got into a cleaning spurt, looked like the Tasmanian devil of cleaning products came through. You'd walk in the house and the washing machine would be going and there might be piles of laundry on the floor that were just waiting in preparation to be washed. Then you'd have to step around a step stool and then the garbage can would be out piled with paper towels and you know the the bucket of cleaning wash and then the vacuum and Um, yeah, it would, the pots and the pans would be all out on the floor because she'd be cleaning the insides of the cabinets. It it was everywhere, everywhere. And you'd have to step around it. So here I am looking at my day and I'm seeing things and I'm going, oh yeah, here I am. I'm in the midst of it. I'm living my life and I'm cleaning. And sometimes these things really do need to be cleaned out. You need to pull out the closets. You need to get to the back of the refrigerator. You need to clip the dog's nails and then... Oh God, you know, one of the kids schools calls and you suddenly have to leave everything that you just had pulled out 
and you have to run to the school because the kid is sick. And now you've got to bring them home and clear a spot on the couch and, and get them going and make a meal. And, and all these projects didn't get taken care of. How does this have anything to do with our emotions? Because this is what we do with our emotions on a individual level as well as a generational level. A lot of people don't have the same cleaning habits that, that my family does and that my observation of people around me has had. So what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, when we're dealing with our emotions, we might push everything to the back of the closet, to the back of the fridge. We might let it get out of control. And then if you are in a state where you're actually dealing with those emotions and the cleaning is, is probably, um, you're, you're cleaning out the dirt. So when you're cleaning for metaphor's sake here, I think the stuff that you're cleaning out is not going to be joy and happiness and all of that. It's going to be the grief and the humiliation and the embarrassment, all of those types of emotions. And so if you're looking at your proverbial house and you're in the midst of a humiliating recall or, or one that's real fresh and is currently happening and life happens and you've got to get up and go, what do you do with that mess of emotion? How do you handle it? And I think for the most part, we tend to not handle it. We'll shovel, shovel it. I mean, shove it, push it, anything, put it away quick. Oh no, they can't see this. Like moms, you hear me. No, I can't be this mess. But then suddenly mom loses her ever loving shit. She blows a cork. Like there's one other thing that happens. A pan drops. A kid just throws a cleat across the room. Something. And she loses it. Now, Not that I've done this recently. But I have been known to lose it on occasion. But. If you've gotten to that point, it's probably because you yourself haven't been allowing your own emotions to be aired, to be out there. And it doesn't have to be out there, out there. But we need to do the house cleaning of our emotions. And I keep, I'm going around and about this because this is, it is, it's messy and and trying to explain this to people and, and go through the process. Like I understand the process myself. And, and yet, even as I understand the process, I get caught in it. And the process is cleaning out our emotions, not because it's like you need to take down the damn wall. And I mean that D-A-M, not D-A-M-N. The, like you're not letting the Hoover Dam break of emotions. However, when that dam does break or when it feels like that dam is breaking, we tend to try to 
stick our finger back in it and say, okay, no, not enough, like enough, like I can't do this. And we think that it's going to last forever and ever and ever. And I find that men in particular have the hardest time with this because they are taught culturally, societally, they are conditioned to jam their emotions down. Yet we all have emotions. And so we're not allowed to have them here and we're not allowed to have them there. And now this is going to happen for females too because different upbringings, religious, cultural uh, um, differences will result in what you were allowed to express and what you were not allowed to express. And you can... Resert, resert, <laughs> revert back to ideas like women are seen, not heard, or same for children, seen and not heard. Um, so as a child, what were you expected to do? You had to behave in a certain manner. So that means the emotions weren't allowed and there's where you condition, there's where you start to squash the emotions. But these aren't just your emotions because you were taught this rule, right? And where did you learn that rule from? Your parents. And where did they learn that rule from? Their parents. So now you see, I hope you see, why I'm using the cleaning and a generational level of the cleaning as the metaphor because we might not be cleaning up just our own emotional turmoil. We might also be cleaning up our parents and our grandparents and so on and so forth. And for a great amount of this, it becomes unconscious. So when your emotions come up, for anybody who's lost parents, or God forbid, a child. And it doesn't just have to be death. It can be the death of your marriage or just a relationship in general, a friendship. It can, these, the grief, the humiliation, the, um, the lack of dealing with it. If you just got shut out without ever being able to discuss it, those things can come up and emotions don't have a logical sequence. If anybody's really done any grief work, they know all the, the layers of grief and the, the denial, the acceptance, the uh, depression, the bargaining. All of those things come up, but they don't come up in a linear order. And they don't have a time sequence attached to them. So you might be depressed for a while. You might bargain for a very short period of time. You might come to acceptance. Then you might circle back around and stay in one or the other for a period of time. But what happens when you get that cellular memory that comes up. You're driving down the road, you're 
on your way to work, um, to a, a kid's soccer game, whatever, a song comes on the radio and bam, you are feeling something from 20 some odd years ago. And you're like crying. I mean, inexplicably crying. And you're going, where did this come from? Then you start to logic the situation and convince yourself not to emote. Now's not the time. The kids are in the back. You got the this, the that. And that might be legit, but the emotion is still there. So do you actually consciously go back and revisit that emotion when you have the time to do it? Do you even have the safe space to create, to do that? Do you even know how to allow that to be there? So allowing, okay, back to the messy house, the dog grooming tools, the shards of, of fur that are everywhere, the clean laundry that's waiting to be folded, the garbage that's on the counter, the, all of those things. Sometimes you need to just allow it to be there and go, okay, it is here and this is the key. It's not going to be here forever. This isn't always going to be a mess. You are eventually going to take the garbage out, fold the laundry, put it away, vacuum up the, the extra fur. You're going to finish washing the windows. You're going to do the things that need to be done. But this is also a key acceptance with your own emotions. When the grief comes up or when you are actively aware that you're grieving and something really sneaks in there like joy and you think that you're supposed to be miserable, like I said, God forbid, if you lost a child, lost a parent, those are times when it seems absolutely unacceptable to be smiling, to be laughing. And so we tend to squash that and say, oh, I'm not allowed. They're gone. What right do I have to be happy? It's not logical. Emotions aren't logical. It's okay to be happy. You have to allow yourself, give yourself permission to be where you are. There's nothing wrong with your emotions. What we don't understand is that we all have emotions. They're here for a reason. Our emotions are a fabulous tool to our own growth to our connection, to our enjoyment of life. They're integral. And yet we don't allow ourselves to have our emotions. And so when you don't allow them, then the negative ones tend to take hold because you've shoved them to the back of the fridge, the, the food got moldy and now it's overcoming and the stench is everywhere and you know that stench. You know that emotional stench. The one where you're like, oh no, 
I can't deal with that person again. They are so draining. And I'm sure they are. You might have even been that person. You might have been that drain. And now you're saying, well, I can't go if you are that drain. You can't go to that party or out with those people or whatever because you don't want to suck the energy out of the room. You don't want to be that drain. Yet here you are with your emotions feeling horrible. How do you get out of it? How do you do this? Who do you reach out to? What do you do? You first accept this is where you are and it's okay and it won't be forever. But please, if you are in a state of anxiety and depression, find somebody. Find somebody you feel really safe with. If it's a therapist, if it's a friend, if it's a loved one. I do find, though, that many of our friends and family, while very well intending, do not have the skills to help you get out of your anxiety and depression. And that's not a hit on anybody. It just means that they don't know what they don't know. And again, I'm going to repeat, we can only meet others as far as we've met ourselves. So if you're going to your parents, for, for instance, if they themselves have not dealt with their own level of anxiety and depression, then you are effectively going to the hardware store looking for bread. It's not that the hardware store isn't useful. It's just that for this particular use, it's not going to be useful. So know where you're asking, know who you're going to, know what's available to you and really assess it for its value. There are those friends that you get together with because you just want to have a good time. They're good time, Charlie. Woo. All right. And that's who you get together with when you want the woo. Go to those people. As long as you don't expect to get therapy from the woo person. Don't expect things to change for them to be different because that's what you need. Understand what they are, what they're capable of, and only go to them for what they're capable of. It makes everybody's lives so much more peaceful so much happier, so much more balanced. It's a form of boundaries. It's understanding what's there. It's not judging them. It's not criticizing them. It's just understanding what they're capable of doing. So that's a level of allowing and acceptance. And allowing and acceptance is also a level of forgiveness. You're just forgiving them, forgiving yourself for being exactly what you are. And if you're the woo girl, woo, then you're the woo girl. Great. If you're the therapy girl or guy, if you're the one who knows the things, awesome. Are you the mechanic? Are you the one that fixes things? Who do you go to? Why do you go to them? 
Are you just looking for something that they are incapable of giving to you? And is that adding to that emotional grief that you're shoving to the back of the closet, to the back of the refrigerator that you're going to need to clean out later on that's going to build up and then bite you in the ass one day and out of sheer surprise. So, I don't know if this has helped. I hope this has helped. I hope this is just turning a light on, making you look at things and just see how you deal with your life. Do you deal? Are you allowed to deal? Do you have a safe space to go to? If not, carve it out for yourself. Find out where it is. And for those that are around you, you might not have the ability to, to full on have the meltdown or um, have them, I don't even know like exactly how I want to phrase this. Sometimes we can overshare our emotions. I've been guilty of it for the first part of my life, for sure. Um, Because I was looking for people to understand. I was going, I was effectively going to the hardware store looking for bread. And I just did it with everybody. Just please love me, help me, hear me, see me. And oh boy, that turns into a mess. So how can you be authentic and transparent without oversharing? It's just saying to people, hey, I'm a little tender right now. I don't think I can do that. Or I'm going through some things. I need some time. I need some space. Or I'm not quite my strongest right now. Please just have a little respect, a little space. Phrases like that that can help. Um, If you hear me crying behind the door, don't worry. I'm okay. I'm just processing some stuff. Phrases like that. Now, obviously, use your wording. Use things that come from your authentic voice that you would say. And be this way for your kids if you are that single mom or dad, if you are just a parent in general, it doesn't matter if you're a parent of adult children, just being that authentic and that transparent gives other people permission to do that for themselves. Oh, I didn't know we could do that. I didn't know I should do that. And then they just kind of think of it. You're not telling them that that they have to because they don't have to. Nobody has to do this work. Nobody has to. But if they are willing and they do go down this route, if you go down this route, know that others probably won't follow you. But there are others that will be there to greet you that you didn't expect would be there to greet you. So with every goodbye, there's another hello with every, what is it? What's the, what's the saying? When God closes a door, he opens a window or when he closes a door, five more open. Rejection is your best protection. Have you heard some of these? So 
go easy with yourselves, people. And work on your house cleaning. Work on your emotional cleaning. Oh, that's what I wanted to say. Yeah, that's the brilliance of cleaning the house, actually, that I wanted to touch back on with the generational stuff. I noticed it. Why I noticed this was important was because the generations before us haven't been afforded the ability to deal with their emotions because of what they've gone through in their lives. Now, when I think about my grandmother's generation, they were going through the depressions, uh, the depressions, the depression, the, the many wars. There were real survival situations that needed to be attended to, and they did not have the bandwidth to be able to deal with emotions. That wasn't a luxury they could have. So we in this generation and the next generations following us are standing on the shoulders of those that came before us. And we are able to deal with our emotions now because they could deal with the, because they dealt with the survival tech situations, the how to exist in this world, the money-making, the, all of those things so that you could feel a little bit more safe in your environment and then be able to explore your emotions. So it's not that we need to judge them and say, they didn't do this and they should have da-da-da-da-da. They were doing the best they could with what they had. And we're doing the best that we can with what we've got and so on and so forth. And we will all screw up. But what they did, and I clearly do not think they did it consciously, but they did it brilliantly. They transmuted their emotions. They alchemized them. That's when you take lead and make it into gold. Here's all of this emotional angst, all of these things. And you can't control your emotions when there are bombs exploding around you or, or there's no money coming in and you're not sure if you can feed your family. Those are real life circumstances that they had to contend with. So what do you do? You control what you can control. You clean. You organize. And so that is what you can do now. When you are feeling that grief, when you are feeling the anxiety or the trauma or the humiliation, create something, clean something, fix something, literally. If you've got the squeaky hinge, go get the WD-40 and make that hinge stop squeaking. Move the door. Yeah, you'll feel better. It changes something. And it's a small something. And then you can feel like, okay, I did something. Well, you really truly did. You not only improved that situation, but you are alchemizing your own emotional standpoint. Now you can do this to the point of overcompensating, but if you do it consciously, if you are aware that you are doing it because you don't know what to do with that emotion, that's conscious, that's healthy. When you are doing it subconsciously, well, you're, it's subconscious. So look for, look for some trigger points. And I guess we'll get into that another time. But notice how comfortable or uncomfortable you are. 
and thank your predecessors, your ancestors, your, the older generations for what they did teach you and cook something, make something with love, make it with love, make it with consciousness. It might not be exactly what you want um, because maybe you're making your grandmother's famous chocolate chip cookies and you have extra weight on your body and you don't want to be eating the sugar. Well, if you're doing it consciously, if you make those cookies and you know that you're making them out of love and then you share those cookies with the ones that you love, you're creating a connection and you are taking the grief of losing grandma and having her cookie recipe and you now make those for your kids. Now you share that recipe, you are taking the grief, you're turning it into love and you're loving yourself through this and you're making a new connection. You're passing that story down. That's healthy. And your body will not always be the way that it is holding the the weight that it is. But the reason that you're holding that weight, I can pretty much guarantee is because of the hidden emotion, because of those things that you shove to the back of the fridge, to the back of the closet. We think that um, we get to a certain age and, oh yeah, you're just going to be heavier and your metabolism is going to slow down and blah, 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 and yada, yada. Guess what, folks? You get to that certain age, it's because you've reached your saturation point. You have been holding on to so much grief, humiliation, and trauma throughout your life that your body has metabolized it or slowed it all down and and now had to store it in different places in order to signal to you that, hey, this is a problem. You need to attend to it. And when you do truly attend to your emotions, you change your body. Why? Because suddenly you're emotionally lighter. So now you want to walk, you want to move. And when you are not, when you are feeling that heaviness, that is a great way to move the energy. Exercise. That also alchemizes the emotions. Do something. Get out there. Take do some street hockey and take slap shots, throw a baseball at a, a, a tree or eggs. Oh, the eggs. That's a fun one. When you've got extra eggs or like the really cheap ones from the market, go out to a place in nature and hold those eggs and put that anger, that trauma, that anxiety, that depression into every egg and throw it at a rock or a tree and watch it explode and change it. Now, if you don't want to waste the food, I totally get that. Don't do that. Squish a lemon, smash something, take a baseball bat to the soft ground and beat the hell out of it. Do whatever you need to do to move the energy, to change how you feel. And 
if your kids witness you doing this, when you're done, pass them the bat and say, here you go. What do you think? And have them take a whack at the ground. You'll feel better. You'll all feel better. And if you're not laughing at the end of it, I will be really surprised. So with that, allow yourself to have the emotions that you have, to have the state of the house that you have, clean, messy, whatever. Be where you're going to be. And clean what you're going to clean. Allow yourself to be where you are. And with that, I'm going to leave you in charge. Have a good one.